The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Christina Meredith endured years of physical, sexual, and psychological abuse. Homeless, living out of a car, she encountered the love of Jesus. I remember feeling like he took my heart out of my chest and put it inside of a glass case to keepsake. And then as I got older and I did more healing and I spent more time with him, in my mid-20s, he like gave my heart back to me and it was fully intact. Cinder Girl, next. for Betty and me to share with you. I'm James Robinson. We have a, a, a beautiful girl that uh, probably had about as serious abuse as you could ever imagine anyone going through. And I, I lived a very tough childhood, but I didn't experience the kind of abuse and by any stretch that she did. And there were plenty of holes and, let's say, damages in the heart of a, of a kid who just tried to make the best of it. And, so grateful God picked me up out of the out of the pit of hopelessness and despair and really set my feet on a solid rock of which you were a big part of helping refocus my whole life because of the the beauty in you and the precious purity that was there. This uh, young lady has written a book. Uh, she is in the army, but what a journey. Think about the title of this book because she actually started writing it when she was journaling in a an area of indescribable pain and uh, abuse. She didn't know that's what she was doing, but uh, she was doing what we call journaling. She calls it Cinder Girl. Cinderella, Cinder Girl, if ever there's been one, it's, uh, it is this young lady, Christina Meredith. And this is a phenomenal story that will lift your spirits and captivate you to be captivated by the one, the only one who can make us feel like who we were designed and destined to be. I want you to welcome Christina Meredith to life today. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm really, really, really glad to have you. All right, I want you to just take off with the Cinder Girl. By the way, who came up with that title? Oh, me, naturally. <laughs> you actually did. I did, yes, sir, I were did. Were you thinking the Cinderella story and how many similarities there were to the fact that you were overlooked and abused in many ways? Oh, yes. I mean, I think one of the chapters is called Laundry Lady, and it's because at a very young age my, my mother stopped using my name and gave me the name Laundry Lady, and that was my chore in the house. How old were you? Seven. And you, she, you had how many siblings? How many were in the At family? that time, there was five of us, but at, at the end, there was a total of eight. And some of these were step family nope. members? My, my biological mother and father were married for 15 years. My father's a good man, bless his heart, got dealt a bad hand. But uh, yeah, there was, they had eight of us. And How know. did you get that uh, laundry lady to, uh, title? So the only thing that... Uh, the therapists and psychologists have said, because I have done quite a bit of trauma therapy, which has made me whole and who I am, they say that because I looked like her, I was the only light skin, light hair, 
in the family. My father's dark-skinned Italian, mm -hmm. and all my siblings were dark-skinned, dark hair like my father. But when I came out, I was this blue-eyed, blonde-haired <laughs> gal. And uh, my mother grew up in abuse. The cycle of poverty and abuse is a real thing. And I think when she saw me, it triggered, you know, her, her past pain. And um, at least that's how I see it. So she made you do all the laundry? Oh, I, I did more than laundry, sir. <laughs> I, was, I was the uh, ostracized one and in charge of chores and all of the laundry. And, and chores got harder and more demanding as I got older. But, but yeah, laundry took lady. took on all the house chores. Yes, then. yes, ma'am. And so, you know, when I, was, when I aged out of foster care at 18 and was living in my car, I knew I was going to write a book. And I just wrote down Cinder Girl because I just remember mm. for years I didn't hear my name. For years I heard Laundry Lady and other obscene names that you can read about in the book, but I won't say on. <laughs> what, were, what were the abuses you went through as a girl? Now, you do cover them in the book, but go mm -hmm. over some with our viewers because some of them will be able to identify. And it's amazing that you could even endure them and get through them. Oh, uh, you know, we, I went through a lot of physical abuse, a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. Uh, I started being sexually abused and raped at, at nine, mm. and that went on for many years. Um, I think the most traumatic part of that sexual abuse is when I tried to tell my mother and I got punished instead. I think that was very hard for me, and it took me many years to really get over that. She didn't believe your story. She didn't take your side. No. She did not defend you. She no, no. Actually no. accused you, so to speak. Make you already, did you already feel some guilt from it as though you were responsible in oh, some way? Oh, of course. I mean, what child doesn't feel shame? You know what's happening is is horrible and wrong, but what, what do you do when you're being forced and pinned down? Like, there's no, you have no recourse as a child, especially when a grown man is, like... You know, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I went through a lot of years feeling shame, but the Lord redeemed me of all of that. And I have, I have no shame. <laughs> what Fully happened hold. to you when you said you, in the book, you talk about being uh, alone after, I think, having been really raped at that mm -hmm. moment, and you were alone in some kind of an encounter that there's no question in your mind it was God? Yes, so after... Being abused, I, I went down to the laundry room to do my chores before my mother got home, and I was in such despair. How I remember old were you now? Nine. Nine. And I remember feeling a different kind of broken than I had felt before, almost hollow. And out of nowhere, I felt this peace surround me and this, this love enrapture me. And I knew it was the Lord. And I don't know how, but I did. And it felt like in that moment of my deepest brokenness in my most, you know, there's nothing, nothing ravages you more than sexual abuse. It robs you of everything. And I remember feeling like he took my heart out of my chest and put it inside of a glass case mm -hmm. to keepsake. And then as I got older and I did more healing and I spent more time with him. In my mid-20s, he like gave my heart back to me and it was fully intact. No bitterness, no unforgiveness, no, no hardness. I can love fully like I had never been hurt, you know? And I think that is the miracle for me because I 
do a lot of ministry with foster care kids and a lot of abuse kids and young women and young men. And bitterness is a real thing, especially when you've been robbed of your dignity and your innocence. Uh, You know, it'll rot you like a cancer. Sexual abuse really will. And so I think the Lord just preserved me, bless him, so so I could love others. What happened after you said when you were 18, you were on your own Mm -hmm. and you were living in your car? What happened from there on? Yeah, so after I aged out and was living in my car, I worked three jobs and read my Bible every day and argued with the Lord. (laughs) How could this be? You know, and uh, finally eventually got my own place. And after a few years of being steady in my own apartment, I moved out to California and got discovered by a pageant recruiter, which is crazy. If you know me, I am a tomboy. I mean, I am in the (laughs) army. So Uh, (laughs) when he discovered me, I laughed at him and just assumed he was looking for a a date or something. And I kind of, you know, blew it off. And then I went home and I looked it up and I read about it and I was like, oh, okay, Lord, I can see what you're doing here. Because I had remember when I lived in my car, I wrote out all the dreams I had. And one of them was launching a nonprofit for foster care, writing a book, traveling the country and speaking and, and sharing my story to offer hope and healing with others who have been hurt and, and broken and abused. And that platform allowed me to do it. And so, so you actually entered a beauty pageant. I did. And became Miss California. I did, 2014. How old were you then? 26. 26. Yeah. And so that seems like a long stretch from where you were. <laughs> did yeah. you feel like that might have been a little bit of the flip side to the more positive part of Cinderella? Uh, I, when I, and I talk about this in my book, when they said my name over the loudspeakers, I didn't weep when they were putting the crown on my head or giving me the flowers. I wept because I heard my name. Mm. And I went so many years without hearing Mm. my name. And the Lord in that moment vindicated me and brought healing and restoration. Everything that the locust had eaten, Mm. he had given back to me because the world knew my name now. My real name, you know, and that was just, it's just his kindness. You're now in the military. How in the world did you get into the, the Army? Well, the only... Maybe if you're going from being Miss California to the Army. <laughs> I'm about to tell you. It, it, there's a theme throughout the book, and you'll, and you'll, you'll read it. And um, when I was in high school, the only stability I had was ROTC. Hmm. Even though I was in and out of different homes, and it was a hard time for me. I had ROTC and I gave it everything I had every morning (laughs) at 5.30 for SEAL team practice all the way until 6 p.m. after drill practice. And my goal... took it serious. Oh, yes, sir. It's all I had. (laughs) And, um, you know, Master Chief and First Sergeant and Captain and, and, you know, all and Gunny and all of the men who were my fathers and brought me lunch every day because they knew I was hungry and, you know, (laughs) really took care of me. I knew that I wanted to be an officer in the United States military. And I worked for that for four years. And I, and I talk about this, I ended up you know, n- not getting the ROTC scholarship because my grades were mediocre. <laughs> I, I was good at a lot of other things, but learning and writing and doing things wasn't, wasn't that, which is why it's a miracle I actually wrote a book. <laughs> but um, I never gave up on that dream. And so even though I didn't get the ROTC scholarship my senior year, I just trusted the Lord that at the right time, he was gonna allow me to have that. And so three and a half years ago, after things calmed down um, with traveling with Miss California and, and um, you know, speaking, traveling and speaking and working on my foundation, I was like, okay, this is the time. And so I enlisted and now I'm turning my enlistment into a commission and I'll be commissioned in December. So. Wow. Isn't that great? 
So I, I will, it took, now that was 15, 16, 15 years, 15 years for, you know, my dream. But again, with hard work and no quitting in a faith of the mustard seed, <laughs> you can accomplish anything. And, and that's, you know, I talk about that, never quitting. And you're going to marry somebody in the Army? Well, that's what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just good with that and excited about that? Oh, yeah, I love that, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, then what do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm already working on my second book. So, you know, hopefully another book tour, continue working on my foundation, the Christina Merritt What's Foundation. What's it called? The Christina Merritt Foundation. So we, my foundation, uh, it's a 10-year plan. And in its infancy now, I continue to speak on advocacy and awareness for foster care reformation. And so I travel to D.C. and I speak to, you know, prominent people who handle the foster care uh, legislation and mental health policies and appropriations to, you know, change in its entirety the foster care system because it is failing this country and it's a, it's an absolute sin. It's a crisis. There is no real help. I've said this many times. If you get my communication through letters or you hear what we're saying, you, you do not really do good effective assistance without a compassion connection. Mm. And with the compassion connection, there has to be the impartation of an understanding of responsibility and accountability. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. If you don't see here, you were going through hell and yet you were developing some things that had to be developed in the the midst Mm -hmm. of unbelievable circumstances. Mm -hmm. I would say that the same thing happened to me going through hell. I lived in a horrible situation all the way through my, most all of my childhood. And yet it was amazing that things that I saw that mattered and mattered for the rest of anybody's life mm-hmm. if you ever see things right. And of course, God changed everything and gave us a supernatural enabling that helps us go on, which he offers to every one of you. That's right. Now then, you have a foundation. We put the title of it up on the screen. People can go there and check it out. Your book is in the bookstores. You can get it online, and uh, you'll be blessed to get it, read it. You'll be blessed to share it with people who are going through challenges or who want to help people who are going through challenges. Mm-hmm. Now, you also have something else you're thinking about doing. I want you to go ahead and tell our viewers. Are you thinking about running for office someday? <laughs> well, yes, sir, I am. That's part of the master plan. And, <laughs> and anyone can tell you that I have a 5, 10, 15, 20, 25-year plan, and we're in year 10, so keep, keep an eye out. <laughs> so you actually might run for some elected office in oh, the next absolutely. couple of years. That's, I, am, I am absolutely. And you would be running in where, California? No, I. would be running in where? I'm moving to Texas in the fall. You're so. trying to get close to the promised land? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, sir, I sure Excuse am. <laughs> Excuse me, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, New Mexico, all they listen. It's a, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll move here in the fall, and, and the intent, Lord willing, is to, is to run here, and I really believe that I was created for that. Well, I met your future father-in-law. It looks like he's a man seeking God. Oh, yes. He looks like he's so proud of you and his son. I want to just say, i got to say it again. The real heroes, and by the way, all of our military and armed force people would not tell you they're the greatest examples of uh, Christian, uh, uh, beautiful Christianity uh, mm-hmm. on the display. They probably don't always do what they should on their leaves. They language may not. Their drill sergeant sometimes probably talks like a football <laughs> coach that you cheer when you're winning a game, and so forth. But here's the deal. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, and to lay down their life. That's right for their friends. Many, many of our military not only lay down their life for their friends, they actually die also for their enemies' freedom. That's right. 
It's amazing what our people do. I wish I could hug every armed service member. Uh, I'm not a big hugger. I always find it be easier to hug a girl than to <laughs> hug a guy. But I could hug some of you big old guys mm -hmm. and push you back and tell you, you're my hero. Mm. You're much of a man. And I pray that God speaks to you in every area of your life. Just like I pray that for everyone watching us right now. I want everyone to know how much God loves you. He loves this little Christina through all the hell. She went through love James. So yeah, Betty had a pretty good home life. And boy, she got beautiful sisters and a brother that all love God. It's kind of a remarkable thing to see. And when she found me, she found somebody that had nothing. But the grace of God built our relationship and our lives. Yes. And he'll do the same with you. Right. He loves you so much. By the way, you need someone to pray for you or with you. You see that prayer line there. That's always there. Well, we want to get God's arms around you and your broken heart. Yes. And we want to see your heart heal. Probably I pray that for everybody watching because people have been touched by her story. And I just pray you will touch hearts and heal hearts right now and comfort people the way you comforted her mm -hmm. when she saw you take her heart and put it in a box, in a yes. little glass case to let her know you had her heart. Mm. Lord, I pray people watching will realize how much you love them today. Mm. In Jesus' name, you need someone to pray with you. Don't hesitate to call. Mm. Would you like to join me and Betty and tell Christina how much we appreciate her? You. you are just an absolute tremendous blessing. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be praying with you about your, your goals. So you stay Thank in you. touch, hey, okay? Because yes, I do pray for people in authority and those who mm -hmm. want to be in authority. I appreciate that. And uh, our viewers are the most I think greatest prayer warriors, mm -hmm. and you can count on them to be praying for you. They're yes. not going to forget you. They're I need all the up. prayer. <laughs> all the up. time. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now that we're in the last week of our, uh, let's say, early in the year emphasis on the hundreds of water wells that we drill every year. And you, the viewer, tell us how much you enjoy this. And I want you, I want you to look in and listen closely. Just listen to the heart that you're going to hear expressed. Listen to the need and the opportunity to be someone's miracle answer to prayer. I think you're gonna to wanna to do it. I want you to watch closely but prayerfully and ask God to direct how you become a miracle. When you lose someone you love unexpectedly, it can feel like your whole world is falling apart. It's almost too much to bear. If you know my story, you know, I lost my husband in 2001 to a tragic scuba diving accident. I'd give just about anything to go back in time and stop that from happening. And while I know God has never abandoned me, I've learned some memories stay with you for the rest of your life. Recently in East Africa, I got to visit people with some very fresh memories, people who lost loved ones of their own. And in a way, I feel connected to them. My husband died in the water, and her husband died because of water and the lack of good, clean water. Because the water they need to drink every day in order to live, well, it's killing them. Water that looks like this and this. Water that looks like this. These precious people don't have a choice in the water they drink. Right now, it's this or it's nothing. But you and I have a choice, a life and death choice. Not life and death for us, but for them. 
So will you please choose to partner with Life Outreach today? Will you help give water for life? So that we can give them water like this. What goes on, Betty, in your heart when you watch all the different scenes that we just looked at there and you've been there in person and you see the the heartbreak and you see the, well, we know Tammy's lost yeah, or lose her, lost husband her husband in water because of water, he drowned. And then these others are losing their, their loved ones because of contaminated water and not a good source. What, what goes on well, as a mother? It really is heartbreaking to hear the, the cries for, of a mother. She weeps for her lost, precious little child. Some of them lose more than one, more than two. And on down the line, they, their hearts are broken because they, they love their children just like we love our children. And they know what's killing them but they don't have any way to change that. But then when you see these precious children laughing and, and putting their hands and catching that fresh, clean water that's gonna bring life to them, can you imagine the joy in the mother's hearts when they see their children take, taking of that nice, clean water that's gonna be good for them and keep them alive for a long time? What their hearts must feel like, how, how joyful they must feel that now we have hope. Now my children have hope for life. You know, it's always a, a joy to them whenever our mission team goes and where we've either brought a well in recently or they know the people who gave them the well are coming back to see them and they get to play in the water. They don't normally in most places get to, get to play it. Let me tell you what the creative missionaries and workers do. Because we're also feeding at schools to get the kids to be at school, we helped inspire school feedings all over the world, and that's, that's something we're grateful for, that the World Food Program even picked up on that concept and began to do it. But what we do is we put a merry-go-round that is a pump, and those kids don't even realize it, but they're going on the merry-go-round, they're pumping up to a holding tank, a reservoir, that then enables us to get water out from not just one well source, but several places. The missionaries and creative thinkers are so incredible all over the mission field world in that mission world. And, and here's the thing I want you to understand. All those things that happen, all those miracles are because you, you enabled a vision to become reality. You enabled love to have effect because those full of love weren't empty handed and they couldn't just make wishful promises. They delivered, you delivered. Would you right now help us drill another 200 wells as we go toward that 400 that we've been trying to drill every year now? Would you this last week, would you please go and get your bank card and help us drill another $4,800 well? If you, there's some viewers who can, I, I can give a well, thank God, I'll do it. Some people make it their goal to do it. But could you give toward that? Most of the money comes from $48 gifts and the $48 gifts gives 10 people water the rest of their life. 144 gives 30 people. So there's a, there's a level at which everyone can participate. We're giving you some inspirational thank you gifts to say thank you for doing this. We want to bless you. Uh, the beautiful bronze that we give for $1,200 gifts is in the arms of the shepherd. You're actually putting the shepherd's arms around these people. You're actually giving them still water, clean water. You're giving them a future. Would you go get that bank card and use it like a check? Go online, 
or dial that number and make the gift God impresses you to, to make. This is the last week now of this emphasis. Father, help every person who can to please make the gift you put on their heart and know they're giving life in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for calling that number. Thanks for going online. Thanks for sharing life. That's what you're doing. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a way for parents to save the lives of their children, to offer them a bright future free from the fear of death. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish the first 200 water wells of the year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the Praying Grace 55-Day Devotional. This new devotional will help you renew your mind to the realities of God's grace and help you pray powerful grace-based prayers for each day. With your gift of $100 or more, request the Praying Grace Tumbler. This reusable 16-ounce container is constructed with insulated stainless steel, perfect for hot or cold beverages. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful new commemorative bronze sculpture safe in the shepherd's arms. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. We don't want any more children to die so unnecessarily because the solution to contaminated water is a cup of clean water. How do we give these children a cup of clean water? By coming in here in this village and drilling a deep well that will give them beautiful, clean water that will last a lifetime. And then also they will eventually learn the beautiful story of the water of life. So thank you for giving. Your gift will not only help their lives today, but help them for a lifetime and through all eternity. Well, Betty and I just say thank you so much. You, boy, what a blessing you are to so many. Christina, the book Cinder Girl, what a story. <laughs> if you'd like to have it, you say, James, you know, I think, uh, I think there's some things there for me or for somebody I love, and I'm going to help you give water. Would you send me uh, Christina's book? We surely will. Join us again saying thanks to Christina for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bless you Thank all of you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for helping us love the overlooked and the least of these. Thanks.
and you look at how you thought your life would turn out and you think, how did I get here? This is not the way I thought my life would look. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.